You are still listening to Know Your Enemy from Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, hanging out with Matthew Stevens again uh, from the Ravens Wire. This is a, a pretty interesting matchup, Matthew. Um, do you think this is a potential uh, AFC championship game in the making? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, at least in all the power rankings, Baltimore and Pittsburgh are right there next to each other. They're certainly going to challenge for the AFC North. Um, and they're going to, it's going to come down to that last game. Like it does almost every year. Um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I, I think, you know, a, a lot of people are expecting and odds makers and, and other pundits are expecting both Baltimore and Pittsburgh to, to kind of go deep in the playoffs. Right now, Jeffrey, on this one here, when, uh, when you really kind of look at it, a win or a loss doesn't really matter in this, like it does matter, but it doesn't in a sense of getting the win back. The next one basically kind of cements the, the, the winning team, the second matchup over the, the team in the first one. However, do you think if, if either of this team win both of these games, the AFC North is basically wrapped up there and then? Yeah. Yeah. The, neither, the, neither the Ravens or Steelers really have the toughest schedules remaining. Uh, like our, our two toughest games are the Ravens left this week. And, and then when we face them again, outside of that, it's, I, I think we're at Buffalo and that's it. That's what we're talking about. So, yeah, I think this this these are the games. These are really the games that are going to settle it. And if someone can sweep it, I mean, they've got to be the favorite. Just just like we've seen in the past before, if someone if someone can sweep the regular series, regular season series, and we face again, it's it's going to go that same way. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very big matchup. I think this these two teams are got to be have got to be some of the favorites in the playoffs. Big matchups. Right now, Matthew, are you kind of feeling the same way here? Is there a universe where, uh, say, Baltimore or Pittsburgh lose both these games and still manage to win the AFC North? I mean, I suppose so, but it would take a collapse from the other team, obviously. I mean, yeah. both these teams are, are pretty close in record right now. Again, 5-1 and one for Baltimore, 6-0 and oh for the Steelers. Uh, you know, if, if one team sweeps the other one, you're talking about you effectively need, what, like a, a game-and-a-half lead over – the rest of the division uh the cleveland browns probably aren't going to do it the cincinnati bengals certainly aren't going to do it so it's really just the ravens and steelers i mean uh and and those two games are really going to be the defining moment of this season for for both teams right now maybe we can do a little uh, self-scouting here um on our own teams matthew i'll start with you on this one where can the Steelers attack the Ravens defense? What's that one kind of hole or potentially that one kind of concept that this, that the Ravens kind of have been uh, susceptible to uh, so far in 2020 middle of the field and screens. Um, you can pretty much count that every single year for like the last decade. Um, despite having really good linebackers, despite having really good safety play, uh, that's kind of an area that they've, they've, I don't want to say given up on, but but allow things to get completed there and then just try to wrap up afterwards so it doesn't turn into a big play. Um, so, you know, Eric Ebron sure, certainly should be in the factor there. Uh, Juju, a huge factor there as well. Um, you know, so that that's the main one. And then screens, Baltimore has never been great against screens. Uh, it comes with just being a super aggressive defense. You're, you're going to bite on those every single time and, and, and try to go in after the quarterback. Um whether the Steelers can pull those off effectively will, will, will be interesting, but um, I, I fully expect it, man. I, that's if, if I'm Pittsburgh, those are the two plays I'm calling over and over and over again. 
Well, you know what? Thankfully, thankfully for the Ravens, uh, the Steelers have been pretty awful uh, in terms of screen game. <laughs> um, so that you got that going for you. Uh, my mind's already kind of racing on uh, some sort of uh, wide receiver kind of slip screens, but uh, we'll see if that uh, if that would come to fruition. I I, I don't see it just uh, based on the history of uh, of our offense. But Jeffrey, I'm going to ask you the same question: how uh, How are the Ravens uh, going to attack the Steelers' defense? Uh, the best way to attack us for the Ravens would be to find a number two receiver uh, because one of the best plays against the Steelers is just a simple, uh, you know, wide receiver midfield, middle of the field crossing route with two guys that the Steelers have to cover both of them. And you can, you can really get us on that because we do not like to put a robber in. We don't like to put anyone in robber. We love cover one, but we want to be blitzing. And so that, that short middle is open, and you put two guys in there, Minka can only take one. He can only help on one, and the other guy is going to be open. Uh, that's a, the two-level concepts at our safety, our deep safety. It, it just works because we don't sit anyone underneath. Everyone's blitzing. Uh, outside, outside of that, that's, that's a staple. Um, I don't really know how to attack the defense outside of that. That's where people make plays. It's just, it's really simple. We also give up a lot uh, outside to the far to the sidelines. If you, we, we will let people take those long outside throws all day. Uh, we saw, we saw how well the Eagles did when Carson Wentz just started nailing those. He, he was getting blitzed and he started nailing those throws 15 yards down the field, all the way to the sideline. That killed us, uh, but the Ravens don't have receivers to make those catches, and Lamar Jackson—that's not, you know—that's not the strength of their offense at all. So we we can afford to give that up. Uh, I really, I really think the Ravens. I, honestly, like we've talked about before, we're kind of built to beat the Ravens. We really are. Like they, they kind of just tweaked what they were building to beat the the Patriots to beat the Ravens. They were both designed around, you know, can you cover the entire field quick? Can, we, can you get from sideline to sideline fast? Steelers build around that, those athletic edges and, and the way they, they run their safeties and linebackers. Uh, the, the big threat to me is can the line, what can the linebackers do? They weren't tested as that much against Tennessee. What do the Ravens have to test our linebackers with? That's the real question. Now, Matthew, when you look at the Steelers' kind of skill positions, um, obviously there's going to be some brutal matchups for guys, particularly if Marlon Humphrey's uh, just following someone around the field. That's going to be a, a tough day for anyone. You, on the flip side of that, do you see one of these – there's kind of like the core four uh, receivers for the Steelers, of course, Eric Ebron and the running backs. Is there one name that you could that you could be like, he, he's probably going to have an easier day matchup-wise, and therefore that's kind of the person I'm kind of uh, – most fearful for along that Steelers uh, skill position units? Man, that's a really interesting one because Pittsburgh just like breeds pass catchers over there. Um, like which which one of the guys is going to do well? Um, my guess is Juju's going to be locked up with Marlon Humphrey. That that makes the most sense, that, that matchup there. Um, so where is Marcus Peters going to go? Deontay Johnson maybe makes sense on a deep side. Uh, Chase Claypool will be my guess. You know, how, how are you going to defend against his size? Uh, Baltimore right now is kind of hurting in the slot corner standpoint. Um, so which is where the, where they're going to move Humphrey. So that's going to leave someone on the outside. That's just inexperienced probably. Um, yeah. Cause at this point they're down like four, four cornerbacks, um, to, to injured reserve again. So, uh, my guess that's, that's the guy, um, 
they're probably going to have to put a safety over top of him just because he's going to be able to beat you deep and he's going to be able to out muscle you on the short yard throws too. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of funny. It seems like Chase Claypool is either drawing the top corner or like no one. It it really is like interesting how it goes like on a week by week kind of uh, <laughs> kind of game plan style. It, it is weird, but on the Raven side of things, Jeffrey, of course not. Ha- or we're going to take Lamar Jackson out of the equation because obviously he's the most dangerous weapon. I'd say he's the most dangerous weapon there is in football. Outside of him, um, I'm sure you're going to go with Mark Andrews. So uh, if you could be more creative, <laughs> um, is there one guy um, on that side of the ball where you're like, yeah, that, that guy's going to have a day against us? I'm going to give you two. Okay. Uh, they're the two people I talked about before this. Um, I'm really interested to get Matthew's thoughts on them as well. I always look when people come out of a bye, I always look for rookies to increase their role on a team. We saw that even with Chase Claypool. You know, he was at, we were out week four, week five, they come back in and Chase Claypool – Runs a lot more stuff than he did, you know, before that bye week. Uh, and I was looking past week two, so the last four games, the Ravens' number three and number four receiver are J.K. Dobbins and Devin Duvernay. So I'm, I'm, those are the guys I'm kind of looking at because we we know Marquise Brown a bit. We've got plans. We've dealt with tight ends all year. We can deal with Mark Andrews. But those two guys coming in after having, you know, a bye week, and really haven't stepped up before the bye week. I'm very interested to see how the Ravens will use them. And knowing Harbaugh, he's going to have something new for us. He's going to have something really new that we haven't seen and we're not expecting. Using probably those guys. And, and that's that's why they worry me. They're the ones that worry me. Yeah, yeah. No. Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. I was just gonna, I was gonna flip that over to you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're actually 100 right. I mean, Devin Duvernay has been slowly but surely building his snap share uh, this season, and when he's done so, he's done big things. Um, it's just a matter of time. Ravens fans have been hounding the team. Just put Duvernay in there because nobody beyond Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews is getting it done. Uh, and then J.K. Dobbins is, for all intents and purposes, if Baltimore wants to use him this way, he's Ray Rice. Um, just a matter of going ahead and again, using him that way. And, and with Mark Ingram potentially out with an ankle injury, they've got their perfect excuse to give him a heavy, uh, heavy snap load. Uh, and, and if you consider that Ray Rice put up, you know, right around four yards a carry against the Steelers over his career, but more importantly, you know, a little over nine yards, a reception against the Steelers, that's a perfect dump off for Lamar Jackson against this heavy blitz. Yeah, one of those names that uh, I've uh, kind of been thinking about and seen pop up a few times, of course, Mark in- Ingram. Oftentimes in this kind of matchup, guys just tape up a little extra harder. Um, they get the team doctor to uh, to prescribe them a, a little bit of a, uh, what painkillers, I suppose. Hopefully it doesn't puncture anyone's lung, uh, a la Tarod Taylor. Uh, sorry about that unnecessary ricochet there, Tarod, but... Um, <laughs> Mark Andrews, I'm sure he'll probably go in this one. Obviously, he didn't practice practice again today after a bye week. Um, if he, just say he can't go, is this Gus Edwards' time? Is this J.K. Dobbins' time? Who's kind of spearheading that rushing attack, Matthew? You know, I'd really love to be able to tell you that the Ravens couldn't tell you that. Um, they haven't been able to do it through six games so far. Who's going to get the snap load is is a week by week question in this town. Um, really, it should be J.K. Dobbins. He's done better than all the other running backs. He is a, a more uh, versatile threat 
across the board. He certainly has the youth going for him and, and that kind of chip on his shoulder that I don't think anyone else has. Uh, but if we go by Baltimore's history, they're going to give those guys an equal snap load and then wonder why one guy does better than the other. Jeffrey, I, I do have to ask you this. Um, it, it is going to be a, a somewhat of a storyline, uh, basically based on uh, where a lot of Steelers fans wanted this team to uh, go in the draft. So my question to you, J.K. Dobbins or Chase Claypool? For the season or this game? <laughs> all of it, both. <laughs> For all, okay, yeah, I'll go Chase. I'll keep Chase. Uh, I'm sorry, you, you, don't, you don't give Ben Roethlisberger a running back. You give him that big, fast wide receiver that's a deep threat because of what he does, how well he does when we have those guys. Um, back in the day, I used to count it up and show people that if, if Martavis Bryant, Sammy Coates, Mike Wallace, any of those guys caught a 40-yard pass, the Steelers' offense was incredible in, in games where he, they caught a 40-yard pass. We've seen that with Chase Claypool. When he catches those long passes, the Steelers score points. Everything else works better. We saw it last week against the Titans. We weren't over. We couldn't get over 30 points, and the offense kind of started dropping off in the second half. We weren't making those long passes. We weren't being able to get the ball down the field and stretch out, uh, stretch out the defense. So I'll take I'll take Chase Claypool. I do like Dobbins. I think I think I don't know if there's really a wrong choice between the two, but I'll take I'll keep Claypool. Now, Matthew, I, I'm curious to know uh, your thoughts on the Ravens draft class thus far in the season. The Steelers obviously didn't have a ton of picks, but have from the most part have been panning out really well on our side of things. I know the Ravens uh, draft was uh, critically uh, acclaimed, I suppose would be a good way to put it. It seemed like everyone loved the Ravens drafts um, after the picks were made uh, six games into the year. Is the, is the love still being felt? Absolutely. I mean, obviously you got Patrick Queen, who is a defensive uh, rookie of the year candidate right now. You've got JK Dobbins though, not getting used quite as much as, um, you know, maybe a lot of people want him to, or, or he should be that expects to pick up over the next, you know, half of the season. Uh, Justin Matabuke has, has been playing well for the limited amount of time that he's been playing. Devin Duvernay has been a threat. Uh, Tyree Phillips is a starter on this offensive line, which is impressive. Broderick Washington Jr., your fifth round pick has been getting some snaps and doing some things. You know, this is a team that has I mean, despite being stacked, they were 14 and two last year. They were the number one seed. They've got out of their 10 picks, probably seven of them are, are getting major playing time. That's impressive. Oh, for sure it is. Now, as we kind of move into this game, um, Jeffrey, I, I guess something we kind of uh, noted, Lamar Jackson's worst game as MVP year was by far his game in Pittsburgh. Uh, three interceptions, uh, I believe it was less than 200 passing yards. Uh, he, he didn't look stellar. Is that the Steelers' defense just kind of being built to try to stop him, or was that just a just a, a bum day from Lamar? Is that something that the Steelers can continue to replicate, or was that just a one-off? I have questions about that. I would love to say that it's the Steelers' defense because we do have a good plan for dealing with Lamar Jackson. But in that game, teams didn't really have the book yet on the, on the Steelers with Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh I, John Harbaugh didn't really have time to plan around that defense and really have a counterpunch ready for it. I, I assume he will. Uh, week 17, if you remember, Gus Edwards ran all over us. He countered uh, T.J. Watt coming in to hit uh, Lamar Jackson by running a, a 
by running Gus Edwards right to where he had been and being like, you're either going to constantly give up yards to this one run play or you're going to stop hitting Lamar, which, oh, at that point was Robert Griffin. Uh, and we we were like, yeah, we'll give up the run. You can you can get you know seven yards of carry on this one exact run every single time because we're going to we're going to put somebody in, in Robert Griffin's face. I do expect there to be some answers for the things they couldn't solve last year in the first game with Lamar. Uh, so so I, I do like the Steelers' plan against Lamar Jackson. I really do, but I'm interested to see what John Harbaugh counters with. Yeah, no, it is going to be interesting. Now, Raven, uh, Matthew, I'm going to ask you the, the same questions uh, from the Ravens' perspective. Lamar Jackson, obviously not great that first time the Steelers played uh, Lamar, and only time as of uh, as of yet. Uh, Sunday will be the second. Um, is this is this going to be – I'm going to tweak it a little bit, though. Is, is this rivalry going to continue to be those, like, 13 to – 14 games those three points or less affairs or is this kind of a the dawn of a new age here for this uh rivalry and lamar jackson being at the helm of the, for the ravens i mean i think it's a dawn uh you know for for the entire league i mean you're not seeing a whole lot of those zero to three games like you were in the 90s and early thousands um even that game that you're mentioning you know last year uh week five 26 to 23 um you know, it, it, this is not a score that you would have expected to have seen a decade or 15 years ago. Uh, it would have been far tighter and far smaller scoring. Um, yeah, you know, it, this is a, a rivalry that I think has changed along with the NFL, but still carries a lot of that old school feel. So uh, to, to cop out on the answer, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, no, and that's totally fair. Now, Jeffrey... In terms of how close these teams are, let's just say in a hypo- hypothetical universe, they play this exact same game, exact same healthy players a hundred times. Is this going to be a 50-50 split, or do you think there's a significant advantage for one side or the other? I, I consistently think that the Ravens have a have a serious advantage coming off the bye week, being at home. Uh, personnel-wise, across the team, I love I love this matchup. It would be close to 50-50 in normal circumstances, neutral site, you know, no extra prep time for either team. I'd put it close to 50-50. These two teams are really, really interesting matchups. Uh, but but with the specific week we have right now, I think that bye week in the hands of John Harbaugh is something he is going to make good use of. So I think it is a big advantage. Now, Matthew, obviously, I think this might be the first time the Ravens have any sort of fans in the building, but it will be limited. If not, it, it, it's just been limited a, a number of times in 2020. D- does that affect this matchup whatsoever, or is that something that uh, is kind of a, a non-factor here? You know, I, I hope it does. Um, Baltimore got a chance to get their, their first game in front of real fans against Philadelphia and proceeded to commit 14 penalties. So I hope the Steelers have a very similar uh, uh, way of viewing it, which is, you know, 4,000 people get them shook. But, um, you know, it, it will and it won't. Um, it's not going to be like it's a packed stadium. So, you know, teams maybe are uh, a little bit more used to quiet stadiums now. And there will be some disruption, but it's not going to be rocking like it normally is. And for a veteran quarterback, especially, um, you know, he Ben Roethlisberger shouldn't have any weird snap counts or any weird issues when it comes to that stuff. Your big question is on the rookies and, and the young guys and, and maybe what they screw up. But um, again, one would think that all these guys are prepared for for 4,000 fans or so. 
Now, Jeffrey, um, I believe that one Lamar Jackson game, the Steelers uh, against him last year in week five, uh, had five sacks on Lamar. Is that a number that can be replicated? Um, or is that, uh, is that just kind of, uh, as you're saying, making new to the, to the matchup and uh, not really uh, quite knowing what to come uh, in terms of game plan? I think it's feasible. Uh, all, they, all they really got to do is keep the running backs in check. Especially if Mark Ingram is out, that's that's going to be trouble. Uh, if they can keep the run game in check, then Lamar is going to have to create. He's going to have to do things. They're going to have to put him in the passing game, and that's that's when you can get the Ravens. That's what they don't have. You know, as we've been saying, they don't have the greatest receivers. They don't have a lot of depth, and when it comes to offensive weapons, uh, so if you if you can take away you know, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Yeah. You, you're going to have him running around trying to buy time. And while that works a lot, it's a little harder in Pittsburgh because we have some really, really athletic edge rushers. Yeah. Now, Matthew, speaking of those edge rushers, uh, we've seen a ton this year, teams kind of chipping or double teaming TJ Watt, uh, allowing Bud Dupree, those one-on-one matchups on the other side. Both those guys, I believe right now, have combined 10 and a half sacks between the two. How do you limit these two pass rushers? And is that something you kind of see uh, the Ravens uh, implement the same sort of strategy, uh, that being double teaming or chip, chipping TJ and just letting Bud Dupree in those one-on-one matchups on the other side? Well, I, I think it really depends on how you want to attack this this Pittsburgh defense as a whole. Um, if you want to get the ball out fast and, you're, and you don't have you know guys pressing uh, or your wide receiver is able to beat that, yeah, quick slants are, are the way to go. Um, and you just let those guys come in. They're never going to get to Lamar before he's able to get rid of the ball. Uh, if this is a team that still decides they want to go ahead and try to throw it 40 yards down the field on a third of their plays, um, you're going to need to put extra guys in there. You're going to need to keep tight ends in, in addition uh, to, to you know your tackles and, and your edge guys there. Uh, you're going to have to use running backs to get chips on guys that way. You're going to have to become a lot more conservative in the middle of the field uh, just from an offensive personnel, which means, again, your wide receivers need to be able to beat guys deep. Um, so, you know, it really all depends on what the wide receivers do this game. Again, if they're able to get out there uh, and, and get away from press coverage, then great. Or if the Steelers are giving them just a ton of cushion, expecting them to throw deep, then I would expect them to go short all day long. Uh, as well as running kind of just right up the gut. Let's see if, if Pittsburgh can go ahead and really stop them if they're doing a lot of that edge-contained stuff um, against Lamar and trying to get the, the edge rushers over there. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, but I think Baltimore is going to let Pittsburgh kind of dictate how they want to get beat. Yeah, now, Jeffrey, on, on the other, other side of things here, the Ravens have actually been blitzing at a higher percentage than even the Steelers, which is something that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I think that those numbers kind of skewed the last couple of weeks as the Steelers kind of blitzed a little bit less starting in Cleveland. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger has been throwing the ball in less than two and a quarter seconds uh, so far this year. How do you see this kind of working out? Uh, is this a, a quick release party out of Ben to try to nullify this blitz? Or do you think the Baltimore Ravens kind of try to do what the Steelers have done the last number of weeks and kind of uh, not blitz as much? If they're blitzing, I really am. I'm really excited and hoping the Steelers bring back uh, shovel passes. They have not been running them. It's a big part of Matt Canada's offense in college. We used to run them with Juju a lot. We used to run a, a lot of it. Uh, I'd love to see that come back where you just take a running back who looks like he's going to be in the block and slide him up the middle and bam, 
you know, take advantage of that blitz coming through. Uh, I think that can keep it in check. I think a lot of the motion we use can help deal with that. Uh, I love a good jet sweep against a blitz. I love that you get outside that blitz and it's just, it's over. There's nobody. Um, so I, I'll, I'm interested to see that. I hope, I hope they actually run a good, smart, you know, plan against it when it comes because they are going to blitz. I don't know. They may draw back in the number of blitzes they do, and they're still going to be blitzing more than we've ever seen <laughs> this season. Uh, so I hope, I hope the Steelers have a good plan for it. Okay, as we head to the top of the hour here, we got a, a couple of uh, questions that we do kind of traditionally now on Know Your Enemy. Matthew, I'm going to pose you this. If you could plug one player right off the Steelers roster and put them into the Baltimore Ravens lineup, who's that one player going to be? Hmm. Um, I'd say Watt, personally. Um, I, you know, I think that's the guy that, despite you just traded for Ngakwe, despite the fact that you've got uh, Calais Campbell, you've got Matthew Judon, you've got a lot of things on paper that make a lot of sense. Uh, TJ Watt's been getting after it. So uh, if you're Baltimore, you need a guy that's going to be able to do that. And certainly having like five of them at this point, if they keep everybody in that scenario, uh, this is a team that just got off six and seven sack games. So I would hate to see Baltimore's defense with TJ Watt in addition. Yeah, you know what? The 2007 New York Giants, basically, all they had was uh, four amazing pass rushers, and that brought them a Super Bowl. So that uh, I think that goes to show you, you can plug as many of those pass rushers on your team as you possibly can handle. Jeffrey, same question to you. Who's uh, coming over from the Ravens? It's easy right now. It's it's become a very easy question to answer this. I will take Patrick Queen. Okay. Well, of, of course, with the injury, that totally makes sense to Devin Bush. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I think for me, I would love to say Lamar Jackson. Of course, that makes the most sense. But, uh, you know, Ben wouldn't be happy by that. And he has a, a lot of play here. Oh, it's tough. Um, I, I think I might go with Mark Andrews, actually, on this one. Um, I, I think that would be a really interesting addition uh, if uh, you – just say you turn the, the clock back a couple years and Eric Ebron uh, and just, just saw what uh, that could do to the Steelers team. That would be fun. Um Matthew, uh, as we continue along here, could we get a X factor out of you? What What's the one p person player we haven't uh, really talked about that uh, you're thinking this guy could have a big game? The guy that I think will have a big game? Um, I'm going to say Ngakwe on the defense. I mean, this is a guy who clearly has a chip on his shoulder right now, is clearly fighting for a, a major 20 plus million dollar a year contract um, just got traded for the second time in like two months. If he's not angry and willing to show up in this game and able to show up in this game, then I mean, that, that would ding him for me if I'm a GM anywhere else. Um, yeah, that, that's my guess. He's going to get after it in this game. Uh, the other side of the ball, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson has the best shot at being that he also has the biggest shot of being maybe Pittsburgh's biggest X factor too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Je Jeffrey, posing it to you, what, what's the what's that one guy? The X factor for this game, man, I'm going to go Terrell Edmonds. I'm going to go That's Terrell funny. Edmonds. He's going to be in a tough spot, both being able to chase down Lamar and uh, covering Mark Andrews, who is their major weapon. Uh, so I, I think that's he's going to be my guy. Yeah, no, and you know what? I think we could really pick Terrell Edmonds basically every week just based on uh, – those matchups he, he's getting dealt, and he's 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 risen to the occasion thus far. Um, it's time to to break down a couple score predictions here. Final scores in this game, uh, Matthew. We'll start uh, with you first here. 
Who's winning this game and what's the final score? Man, um, as much as I don't want to say this, I think it's the Steelers. And I think it's 23 to 20. Um, I think it's one of those games that like a last second field goal, the perfect Ben Roethlisberger fourth day or fourth quarter march down the field and is able to score because Baltimore's defense is tired. It's just, that's my feeling of what's going to happen on that one. But certainly I think a lot of it rides on, on how good Lamar Jackson is. And if he's able to give that defense any rest at all. Interesting. That, uh, that one caught me a little off guard. I, I thought you were going to go Ravens for sure. Jeffrey, who are you leaning in this one? I know, I know that bye week thing has me really, really wanting to take the Ravens. Like my head is like, no, you've got to take the Ravens. I can't do it. Uh, so I'm going to take, uh, the Ravens scoring 20 points, uh, significant for that's Ed Reed's number and the Steelers are going to drop I get the number there for you. 26. The best safety that's ever played for the Baltimore Ravens, Rod Woodson. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey wanted to say that so bad before we got on air. <laughs> so I say, um, it, and here's my thing. Here's my, here's my argument. Are you ready for this? In the first 12 years the Ravens existed, they won five playoff games, and Rod Woodson started every single one of them. And <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just kidding. Obviously, I'd read. I'd read it. Obviously, is the best free safety they ever played for them. Of course, of course, of course. No, I, I appreciate you breaking the numbers down, man. Everybody forgets <laughs> Woodson was on the Ravens for a few years. Yeah, he he was outstanding. I mean, he went to that. He team. I hated that 2000 Baltimore team because I was like, if Rod Woodson was on our team, we'd be one of the we'd be playing for the Super Bowl. Like our quarterback sucks too, and we can run the ball. You know, we just have crappy safeties, and they have Rod Woodson. Yep. yep. And then you Rod guys cut him and signed Ed Reed, and Rod went to Oakland and, and went to the Super Bowl with the freaking Raiders. <laughs> Rod Woodson had a Hall of Fame career as a corner, punt returner, and a free safety. Yeah, I, I, he legitimately could have made the Hall of Fame three different ways if if he stuck to just one of those positions. But he did it three different ways, no doubt. For me in this game, uh, this is a really tough one to predict. Um, I, I'm trying to take a more stats-based approach to this. Lamar Jackson, anytime he loses, it seems to be like dating back to college, it's by about 14 or more points. Uh, the Ravens win these close games, um, and the only way the Steelers are winning is if they're jumping out to some sort of a lead and they completely nullify the Ravens' rushing attack, which is basically the reverse Ravens. Uh, when they jump out of quick leads, uh, blow the barn doors off opponents and just run the clock out. So for the Steelers to win this one, and because I've ridden with them so far every single game this year and I've been right, and I feel like I'd be putting a, a curse on them if I were to go against the Steelers, maybe I'll keep rolling with that and give you a shocking score of 31-17 in the Steelers' favor. That would really be a statement game. That would be – I don't think anyone else would predict a score like that, but it seems when if, if the Ravens or Lamar Jackson – uh, Lamar Jackson uh, led team is to lose it's going to be a score by that sort of margin so that's kind of why I'm leaning to that sort of score even though I feel like it's a much closer game on paper than it is all three of us were on the Steelers which are a little bit surprising to <laughs> say the least uh, before we get out of here though Matthew uh, if you have anything to plug any cool stuff uh, coming up over in the Ravens wire uh, you can go ahead and uh, share that right now Absolutely. Well, you can, again, always find me on the ravenswire.usatoday.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be 
Ravens talk, so I, I, I'm sorry to all you Steelers fans, but at least you know I'm not a complete homer. I did predict the Steelers here, so you know you, you got that going for you. Now, before uh, Jeffrey, uh, I turn it over to you. Aaron uh, does put a dollar in the tip jar, doesn't leave a question, but uh, we appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you for that. Uh, Jeffrey, do you got uh, any uh, fun film rooms coming up or uh, any of those uh, fun projects uh, coming up before the game here? Actually, my film room I just finished and submitted before before this show uh, is on the run defense and how the Steelers stopped Derrick Henry. It's a good one. Uh, the whole team was involved. They, every single player, every single player was involved in the in the film room. It's it's a great one. It's gonna be. It, it was a great defense. It was a great day for run defense. Phenomenal game, and it sets up well for this week when we need to do even more. <laughs> We'd be just as good. Just as good as we were last week, we got to do it again. All right. Make sure to like the show. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast platform, make sure to give us those five stars. Like the show. Make sure you're reading the content over and behind the steel curtain.com. And make sure you're also listening to our entire family of podcasts from behind the steel curtain. We got uh, a ton of hosts. So if, if you don't like us, you got a few other voices you can uh, turn to. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as a one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So make sure you're checking out all the great content from behind the steel curtain. So from Matthew, Jeffrey, and myself, uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys in the next one. It's Ravens week. It doesn't get better, better than this. Uh, you guys have a good night and we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>